We know that most politicians don't want to talk to us. Good. We don't want to talk to them either. <laughs> We want them to talk to the scientists instead. Listen to them. Because we are just repeating what they are saying and have been saying for decades. Just unite behind the science. That is our demand. When many politicians talk about the school strike for the climate, they talk about almost anything except from the climate crisis. Many people are trying to make the school strikes a question of whether we are promoting truancy or whether we should go back to school or not. They don't want to talk about it because they know they cannot win this fight. Because they know they haven't done their homework, but we have. There are dire warnings that New South Wales will be hit by increasingly extreme weather. 2015 was the hottest year since climate records began. Your show this July was the single hottest month in recorded history. Australia sweltered through its hottest spring on record. Climate change is now affecting every country on every continent. It's the rate that's a great concern. And what do you put that rate down to? Oh, it's human activity. We have everything we need. Some still doubt that we have the will to act. But I say... The will to act is itself a renewable resource. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Climactic. Today is the 14th of March, 2019. And you probably recognize this date not for it being special in and of itself, but for being the eve of a very big day. Starting in mid-2018, Greta Thunberg, whose voice you heard at the start of the show, has become one of the defining characters, faces, and voices of the climate movement. Her striking from school, her hashtag Friday is for Future, her speaking to the EU, to the World Economic Forum at Davos, it's been a lightning rod for the entire movement. And as I'm sure all of you listening will know, she's been a massive inspiration to the Australian community as well. It's not an underestimation to say that tomorrow... March 15th will be a very, very big day, not just because there'll be school strikes in capital cities and regional towns across Australia, but because there'll be school strikes around the world. We don't know yet what'll happen after these strikes, and we're still trying to understand the shift that's occurred since the strikes in November of last year. But it's safe to say that the school strikes have become one of the most visible parts of the climate change movement. So here at Climactic, we were curious to hear how the organizers of the strikes here in Australia feel about this upcoming strike tomorrow as they're hearing this, and how various other members of the community do as well. And so to get us started, here's two messages we received from the climate change community on what tomorrow, March 15th, means to them. Hi there, this is Shannon from my extremely long walk for climate action. I'm really excited about the school climate strikes that are coming up next week. It's incredibly exciting to see young people who will, as we know, be the ones primarily affected for the longest by climate change, stepping up into their responsibilities, but also speaking truth to power about their particular vulnerabilities. And I think that's true of all of us. We have responsibilities and vulnerabilities where it comes to climate change, and we all need to recognise what our specific responsibilities and vulnerabilities are. And I think having school kids disrupt the normal pattern of going to school, of disrupting the expectation of how they should be behaving, 
will hopefully shock everyone out of their stupor where it comes to climate action. Hello, uh, it's Kim Lucas here uh, from Final Queensland in the city of Cairns. And I just wanted to let you know how I feel about the students striking on Friday. Uh, I have mixed feelings about it. So I'm looking forward to seeing the kids stand as a collective and use their voices democratically um, to get their message across. I think it's going to be very empowering and I think it's going to be incredible for each small community and in each city. I think it's going to be quite an incredible experience in Australia and internationally as well. Personally, it's a little surreal after speaking to so many scientists last year and listening to the current scientific projections regarding climate change. Seeing these kids have to stand up and fight for their future against such incredible corruption, it's a bit surreal for me to see the kids have to do that. I don't think that it's necessary. They shouldn't have to as adults and people within positions of power. Their role is to actually be caring for the community and if if we don't create climate policy, then our future is in jeopardy and our safety is at risk because runaway climate change, anthropogenic climate change, is a real national security threat. As excited as I am to see the kids standing up, I'm also, you know, it's it's very serious and I, I think it's really sad that the kids actually have to stand up and fight so hard for their future. All right, thank you. And now for another member of the community, leader of the Australian Greens Party, Senator Richard Di Natale, on his thoughts on the school strike. I was just talking to my partner about this and making sure that the two boys know they've got a day off school and we're out there marching. Well, hopefully they're the ones who came to you, right, saying, Dad, we want a strike. (laughs) (laughs) They're eight and ten, and I think the attraction of missing a day of school is as uh, much, uh, you know, uh, something to look forward to as doing the climate strike, but they get it. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's the thing that actually gives me hope. I go and speak to a lot of young people, and thankfully young people get it. It's some of the dinosaurs who are holding us back. So I think what's happening on March 15 is a wonderful thing and it fills me with hope for the future. During this year's Sustainable Living Festival in Melbourne, I had the chance to speak with Marco Bellamo, who's a name and face to become quite prominent after the school strike with his star turn and amazing question on Q&A and really being held up now as, as quite a leader in the school strike movement. So I had the chance to talk to him briefly and get some of his thoughts on what the school strike means to him and what else he's doing outside of it. Have there been any sort of concrete, really vivid memories in your mind from those last two years where it's just been like, wow, this is a real moment? Like, it could be something big, you know, like I keep harping on about it because it was just incredible to see you on Q&A, but that might not be the most memorable thing to you. Has there been something that stands out in your mind as like, whoa, I can't believe I'm here, I can't believe I'm doing this? Yeah, it'd have to be the school strike probably, getting to see so many students mobilise and onto the streets to demand political action on climate change was really uplifting and like shows the power that we have. And obviously this is just increasing. Yeah, just recently I think have been the biggest like turning points for me in terms of direct action, um, disobedience, civil disobedience, particularly with Extinction Rebellion as well, and I'm really excited to see what happens in that area. There's a lot of groups, there's a lot of ways to be involved in this space. 
why is it that Extinction Rebellion is kind of the right fit for you? Well, basically, I just feel like it's one of the only movements that is really telling the truth about this situation that we are in, like that there are 200 species going extinct each day. We are facing mass extinctions, mass migrations, huge food shortages, and things are just accelerating. All the climate science is there that we are going to be living in a very unstable world and there are people, heaps of people all around the world living in harsh conditions due to global warming. Yeah, it's not getting out through other organisations, I feel, and that's why I feel really like the climate emergency and emergency action is really important and is directly focused through the Extinction Rebellion group, which is why I've decided to put my a lot of my energy into that group and... Yeah, especially outreaching to people because it is a, it is about mass mobilisation of people and communication of these statistics and the climate emergency. And I also asked Marco what it had been like interacting with traditional media, both after the first strike and in the lead up to tomorrow. And yeah, I did get interviewed a few times during the strike and um, it was a bit frustrating just how they didn't really care too much about why we were there they would just like you realize you're blocking traffic and like just totally sidetracking the whole reason we were there to demand for political action on climate change mm-hmm. um so that was a bit frustrating but i guess the more and more accustomed they get to like these kids movements the extinction rebellion um i think the media will just shift with people's perspectives So to tackle climate change and really start to curb emissions and change our entire economy, of course, that's a huge task. And we're going to need people on board of all different political persuasions. So it's been interesting to hear how the climate strike tackled that. Each of the respective members of the school strike organizing committee, at least here in Melbourne that I've spoken to, seem to have a different political persuasion themselves. But the school strike has brought them together in a really unified front. So over the last few weeks, when I saw this mural being distributed throughout all the school strike groups throughout social media, so when I dug a little deeper and found out the artist behind this mural was a socialist activist, I had some questions for him. So you're about to hear from artist Van T. Rudd, who was quite busy when he was sending in these Facebook voice messages, so you will hear some occasional bleeps from his phone. But for something special for you, if you look at your phone right now, yes, your phone, Just look down at where your podcast is playing. You should be able to see the mural that Van did, inspired by the school strike. So I had heard about the protest uh, through a number of sources, mostly through being a socialist, uh, socialist activist, and trying to keep in touch with all these things. I'm also very much into politics in my artwork, so it was always going to be, you know, me keeping my ears open and my eyes open for these sorts of things. And most importantly, I'm a big fan of strikes that the working class have as part of their most um, powerful bargaining chip, if you want to call it that, with the powerful sections of society. So that was a huge inspiration to hear there was going to be school strikes and I'm always trying to take part in those type of things. In terms of what inspires my murals, pretty much what I just mentioned and also just all the new types of artistic techniques that come out. I'm always trying to keep abreast of those things on an aesthetic level, but also the politics that I'm involved in, a very left-wing radical politics 
always keeps me very much inspired. It's generally the destructive forces of capitalism that keeps me energized in terms of how to, to critique it and also how to battle against the destructive forces of capitalism. So I use art as part of my activism to help me through this and it's uh, also a very collective type of thing as well. How the reactions have been, they've been very positive, uh, particularly for the last couple of murals and especially around climate change. I've, I've had much worse reactions from people when I've done anti-racism stuff, so this is quite a relief. So yeah, in terms of the last question, what do I think about school strikes? I think they're incredibly important and powerful as a statement and also as a very material type of thing to do. In other words, you know, you're stopping the production of, of school, of, of labour. Yeah, it's certainly a great way to get attention from the powerful. And that was artist and activist Van T. Rudd, all about his mural for School Strike. There will be a link to his website and all his fantastic murals in the show notes. Towards the end of the show, there will be an excerpt from this year's Sustainable Living Festival, which had a panel all about the school strike. And you'll hear more about how the strike manages to balance politics and climate action. But coming up next is an excerpt from an interview with Fatima. Fatima's in charge of promotion for this year's school strike. Yes, tomorrow's school strike. So if you've heard about it, it's probably been due to her work. I sat down to ask her how she manages the workload and what the strike feels like to her. What was your involvement with the last one and with the next one? Well, actually, with the last one, I pretty much didn't do anything. All I did was attend. But with this next climate strike, I'm actually kind of the lead organizer, and I'm the one taking care of most of the promo surrounding the strike. So how did you hear about the first school strike? So I have this really good friend, Jagveer Singh. I think you must have heard of him. So he, for the last strike, he was actually speaking. And I remember he just told me, he's like, look, Fatma, I'm speaking at the strike. I think you should come along. And at the time, I didn't know that it was such a big thing. I was like, you know what? You're speaking. Let me come support you. And then when I actually went, I was just in awe by everyone there and like all the energy that was surrounding the strike. And then from that day onwards, I just... I told myself, look, this is a movement that is important and I need to get involved. So from going the first time, being blown away by the size of it, how do you now feel organizing the next one? Which is, by all accounts, and not to you know hype it up and make it harder for you, going to be even bigger and better than the first one. What's that feel like? It actually feels insane. Like, I, at times I cannot believe it. Same with my parents. Like, when I tell my parents, they're also, like, blown away. But, yeah, it's, it feels insane, but it feels really good. And then it also shows, for me, it was so easy to get involved. And it's kind of like a message to everyone else that if you want to make a difference, it's really not that hard. Like, as long as you are determined, as long as you have a goal set, like, it's easy, you know. And in this kind of movement, people are encouraged to join in. It's not kind of, there's no hierarchy. It's like, if you want to get involved, if you want to do something, you can just do it. No one's stopping you. So when you heard about the first strike, was that the kind of thing you were already looking for in any way? Like, were you looking to get involved in being active about climate change? On the inside, like deep down in my heart, as cliche as, my, as it might sound, 
I had, yeah, I've always wanted to make a difference. Like, you know, when you're in high school, people are always asking you, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I, I never knew how to answer people. Like, I always knew the basis of what I want to do. So the basis is just to make a difference for the better and to help people specifically. You know, like, I'm a people person. I just love people. But I just didn't know how or in what sense. And then growing up as well, I always loved science, science, especially chemistry. Um, in year 11 and 12, chemistry was my favorite subject, and people thought I was crazy for it. <laughs> so I had all this knowledge about, you know, fossil fuels and renewable energy and just kind of the world, but I never used it. And then when this movement came to be, it just kind of clicked. I was like, you know what? This kind of fits in perfectly with everything. I myself actually draw and paint and I do photography. And getting involved in this movement, you just kind of use all your social skills. You know, you, 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 you communicate with people, you help out with graphic design, and you meet new people, you use your knowledge, you learn more. And it's just kind of like everything coming together. And it requires leadership, it requires you to be human, it requires you just to put on like a lot of different roles. And that's kind of what clicked with me, I'd say. How can we help in the most effective way while also acknowledging and respecting the fact that this is a student movement, this is how the next generation of leaders are emerging, and how do we resist that impulse that sadly is, is you can't get away from it, that when you get involved with something and you get the opportunity to, you know, like do more and do more and do more, you can eventually kind of co-opt something and take it over, even if you didn't mean to. How could I help but not hinder the student strike? Well, right, you're helping me right now by having me on a climactic. Oh, you're very welcome. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Oh, no worries. Um, so that, that's a start. The way adults could help is by allowing students a platform so you could come out and help with the strike. You know, you can get you march with us. You can invite us because it's, it's usually radio shows and all these things. They're they're run by adults. So you know, invite us. Let our voices be heard. And as for voting, you know, vote for the best climate candidates in parliament. So the best way to go about it is to think about them, to think about your children, to think about your grandkids, to think about their grandkids. Now it's time for Climactic Community Corner, where we play voice messages sent to us on Facebook. We're opening up this space for the community to share events, news, thoughts, feelings, all sorts. If you've got a message to share, just send it to us at Climactic Show on Facebook or hello at climactic.fm. I'm Elodie Compass from Remember the Wild, Australia's first nature connection charity. We're throwing a party on Saturday 23rd of March at Point Cook Coastal Park to celebrate our incredible and unique Port Phillip Bay. The Day by the Bay Festival will feature local live music, speakers, community and market stalls, food trucks and activities for all ages. Grab your picnic rug and come relax by the bay and learn about this special place. More information at www.daybythebay.com. 2019.com And it's now our pleasure to bring you some of the highlights from this year's Sustainable Living Festival's panel with the leaders of the school strike moderated by Matt Wicking. This event was recorded at the National Sustainable Living Festival 2019. 
Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Sustainable Living Festival. Welcome to this beautiful day. And welcome to Schooled, students striking out for the climate. Please give yourselves and this crew a big round of applause to kick us off. My name is Matt Wicking. I'm going to be facilitating this session. I want to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land that we're gathering on, uh, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I want to pay respect to elders past and present. I also want to acknowledge the pivotal role that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people continue to play within the Australian community. Something else that I like to do at events that I'm hosting is to also make an acknowledgement of the context that we're gathering in. We're gathering here at a time, as I know all of you know, when the human species is having an unprecedented impact on the planet. I mention that now because it matters and because it means that the decisions we make, the actions we take as we leave here together have an impact on species living now and in the future, on future generations and on people here and also people overseas. So we're meeting and gathering at a very important time and I think that's why this particular topic uh, has a real energy around it because it feels like maybe finally some people are starting to act and take some leadership and We've got four of those wonderful local leaders up on the stage with me today. So let me introduce you to them. Um, today we're going to meet some, some of the, these four local leaders. We're going to explore behind the scenes to their efforts to create a wave, to create some energy momentum um, striking from school for climate action. And we're going to hear from them about what's happening now and what they're up to next as well and how we can get involved and support them and be in solidarity with them and their work. I'll start right down the other end with Jean Hinchcliffe. She's been involved with Get Up as a climate activist and was lead organiser and speaker at School Strike for Climate in Sydney. She's appeared on the project and has been represented widely through Australian media. Next to Jean is Harriet O'Shea Carr from Castlemaine Steiner School and she's from Year 9. As one of the instigators of the school strike in Australia, Harriet's been featured in The Guardian as a key organiser of the action and is an enthusiastic participant in the Stop Adani campaign as well. Welcome, Harriet and Jean. Next to them, we have Jagveer Singh. Got some fans in the audience, which is great. Jagveer's just graduated from Hoppers Crossing Secondary. He was a speaker at the November strike and has been doing a whole bunch of media to promote the student activism as well. And next to me, some of you might recognise Marco from his provoking audience question on Q&A on the climate emergency Marco is actively involved in many organisational groups, particularly Extinction Rebellion now, um, but also AYCC, Galilei Blockade, Stop Adani, Friends of Earth Collectives and more. Please give these four a big round of applause and a welcome. Let's start by just travelling back in time a little bit, and I want to kick off with you, Harriet, if we can, and just invite you to tell us a little bit about how this first strike in November came about for you and your role in it. Yeah, well, my good friend Malou, she read an article about Greta Thunberg in Sweden and she she goes to school with me and on the bus the next day she came and she was like, oh, this, look at, read this article, look at this amazing person. She's um, only 15 and she's just like gone out and just gone on strike. And I was like, yes, we've got to do this in Australia because I'd felt previously I'd felt 
sort of powerless and like I I I couldn't um, be heard because I'm under 18 and I can't I I can't vote and I can't I can't be heard through that system and so I thought this was a really amazing and empowering idea because it was something that like me and everyone else is under 18 the children of the community could be be a part of and we could lead the movement and yeah show show our leaders what we want yeah beautiful thank you and so for those who aren't aware if you've been um on a media blackout or haven't been paying attention to what's going on around you um november last year an estimated 20,000 students across australia skipped school so from that you know, conversation with a friend. So much has flourished by with other people getting involved and, and jointly making this thing happen. There were huge crowds of students um, filling public spaces, shouting at the top of their lungs. They brought banners and signs. You might have seen some of them. Um, I've seen smarter cabinets at IKEA. <laughs> and I was chatting to one of the um, organisers of this event just this morning, and she said that she'd spoken to Greta Thunberg's, uh, someone who was working with her closely over in Sweden, and they said that Greta was getting a little bit of press and a little bit of energy and momentum, but when 20,000 students, this crew here and others, got active here in Australia, it gave her work and her voice and her leadership a massive boost. And it was then, apparently, that a lot more media wanted to come and talk to her because she was having this ripple effect that people saw here, which I think is amazing. And I didn't realise till this morning. So, Jagbir, I know you were involved in the last strike as a speaker. Can you tell us about how you became involved in that role and what it was like to speak at a rally with so many people? Yeah, I was a speaker at the school strike um, last year. I got involved uh, basically through AYCC, who were helping organise the strike here in Melbourne. Maisha, my friend, who was the MC of the event. Um, so it was just about, you know, so I, I had been involved in the environmental moment for a long time, I think March 2016. Um, not that long, but pretty long for me. Um, so, well, you're not that old, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how I got involved. It was um, basically talking, and the experience of speaking at the rally, where you know we had um, estimated, I think it was estimated around five thousand people attend the strike. So speaking at that strike was really um, empowering as well. Like, I felt like there was so many people around me who. And we all had the shared goal, and we all, I didn't know any of, I didn't know most of them, but I kind of felt connected with them because we had the same goal, and we were working towards achieving the same things. And even when we were marching through the CBD, um, we saw people coming out of their offices and supporting us. So, um, yeah, there was this really cool energy going around, and really positive and really empowering. That's beautiful. It's great to hear. And so this crowd here then is nothing compared to 5,000 people, I suppose. Jean, I'd love to hear from you and your perspective. How did you get involved in this work and what role did you play in the November strike? Yeah, so I initially got involved after a friend of mine sent me a text with like, oh, look at this thing happening in Melbourne on November and like, oh, I could get involved in striking on Fridays or something like that. So I looked at the website and immediately emailed and said I'd organize the Sydney event. So <laughs> at about 11.30 at night. Wow. Yeah, so very, very impulsive. But um, as we got started, it definitely wasn't a solo effort. There were quite a few people on board. And my role was like all over the place with it. Um, 
I like filed the notice of public assembly and helped organize that as well as doing a lot of like media and press. And I also helped like choose an event and just general logistics a lot. A lot, the bulk of what I did, like if I was to say one particular thing, doing so much media constantly, like I was at school and about like every couple hours I'd pick up a phone call with a journal or something. So you're having to, are you picking up your phone and stepping out of class to take those phone calls with the media um, as well? It was towards the, particularly towards the final week before the strike, um, cause my phone, da- my phone broke actually, and I could only use the very bottom right hand corner, which meant that I couldn't text people, I could only pick up my phone. <laughs> so that, at that stage I did have to step out of class every now and then, although I'd try to schedule them during like recess or lunch or after school. Sure, sure. But given that stepping out of class and stepping out of school is what we're talking about here, it's not so, um, <laughs> surprising. And so let's hear a little bit from Marco as well, and then we've heard from everybody on the panel to start with. I know that you weren't one of the organisers of that first strike in November, but you've since become quite visible through your question on Q&A and rebuttal of the bullshit response that you got from the panellists. Um, I really got started a few, a couple of years ago when I heard some speakers from Standing Rock campaign and... Just learning how damaging these practices are to these communities, how they're destroying the, their culture, their land, their water, and let alone the environmental and global impacts of that, that has. Yeah, I really felt that I had to do as much as I could to really ensure that we have and protect and preserve our, the only livable planet we know. So in terms of the school strike, I, the first one, I wasn't too involved and kind of just jumped on board with it. Since then, I've felt like I really need to get involved and I've been helping out with various means of communication and partnerships and also trying to see what we can do more than just marching, just striking, to really reach out and show how serious this climate catastrophe is um, rather than just uh, striking for one day and going back to school the next, like really how we can sustain and make a bit this thing a bit more disruptive, a bit more in the politician's face and an issue they can't ignore. I like that you mentioned the word disruption because that's the theme of Sustainable Living Festival this year, so nice uh, keyword dropping. In fact, something that strikes me about all of you as I listen to you speak and hear about the work that you're doing is is the level to which you're stepping up and taking on conversations with media, taking on organising and coordinating and being strategic and thinking about the the momentum of this thing long-term. Community organising and and activism is something that people, you know, spend decades learning how to do and you are diving in and doing it and doing it with, uh, you know, beautifully. I'd love to hear from each of you about how it feels to be doing this at this time. I think it was... It's really crazy just like jump right into the deep end because the school strike itself was actually my first proper venture into climate activism so like right away I'd never done an interview before so I had to learn how to do all that and it was just yeah it was crazy and even now um it's just grown so much and there's still so much work we're doing now if anything even more than what we had beforehand 
And I think it's been, it's been really enjoyable. Like I've loved it so much and it's really stretched me because I have no idea what I was doing to begin with. And I've just, everyone has had to learn so much so quickly. And I think in regards to like sort of pushback we get, um, I think mostly it's support, which is really great because we're seeing that we're actually making a difference and we're getting people on board. But also there has been quite a lot of hate. Um, I won't deny, like particularly I noticed um, when it was spread on GetUp on their Facebook page, the comments are just filled with stuff about how we're all brainwashed children who don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> And it just being told what to do by, like, the Greens or something, which is just insane. Because you're independent, aren't you? I mean, you're, Absolutely, you're making, yeah. yeah. We're completely nonpartisan. That's one of the driving forces behind this because we all, we all agree that um, this isn't a left versus right issue. This is a human issue. This is just a problem with the world. And when, if we became partisan, then that sort of disrupts that message. So we make it really clear it doesn't matter where you fall on the political spectrum. You need to have good climate policy. And that's the main thing that's driving us, yeah. Amazing. Thank you. And Harriet, how does it feel for you being involved and playing this role? For me, it was, it's been really incredible. Um, I think before, before we like started striking, I, I was just filled with a lot of like anxiety and stress and like fear about our unstable climate at the moment, but I didn't know where to like direct all that emotion and it was just sort of building up. It was very sort of self-destructive. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, yeah, good. Um, but now with like, um when people come together to to yeah join yeah into such an amazing event it's it sorry it brings you out of that sort of isolated state and you get to like share it with other people and it shows you i have hope <laughs> i can see that so many other people care and that we're and they're ready to to act and so it was really incredible yeah thanks harriet And on um, Greta Thunberg's TED Talk, who you mentioned before, she talks about hope and the idea that hope follows action. And you take action and then the hope will follow, but don't have this hope without action because that's useless to to anybody and all of us, which really, what you said reminded me of that idea because it seems like your action is giving her hope and vice versa, and then it's spreading out to others as well. But it's action at the core. Yeah, I guess following on from that idea of hope, um, I guess we feel hopeful because... We, from our side, are doing all that we can to bring this change and, you know, to get good climate policy and to solve this crisis. So we, on our end, are feeling hopeful. But there's still so much we can do. So, for example, you guys can help us. You guys can strike from work, maybe. Um, (laughs) um, Let's let's take out the maybe from that sentence. I'm right behind you. You guys can strike from work. How about that? I just wanted to encourage you on that because I think we in the audience, we adults here, um, need to think about not just watching you as spectators and observers and going, oh, isn't that great that they're doing good things? And Jagvi, how about yourself in terms of your, your folks? Yeah, um, so I was actually doing year 12 last year, so I've just graduated from school, about to start uni this year. So I was in year 12, and my parents, rightly, were concerned about my education um, and the impact that this will have on my education. So, um, yeah, at, at the start, there were certain concerns, but luckily, I picked the subjects um, for which the exams were done a week before the strike, a week or two before the strike. So I had some good time to organize the strike um, and help out where possible. But yes, I wasn't too involved in October when, you know, 
Harriet was on strike and other people were on strike? I think my parents would rather me be alive and uneducated than dead and educated. So. I think really they just care about my safety and well-being and they understand too that this this is an existential threat this is this is just more this is more important um so they're super supportive I don't have a phone so my dad's like the my sorry, He's your secretary Yeah my secretary <laughs> everything goes through Thanks, him Dad he'll come running into the room like oh the age of cold and I'm like oh okay so um, that's yeah, great. that's helpful. <laughs> I love the first part of your answer, Harriet, because it, it really cuts right through the, the question in a way to me. Like, you know, this is that serious that, you know, of course we have to be doing something and of course we have to be acting, but I can, I can see also at the same time how important it is to have that support in, like, having a secretary is great. Or having someone to, 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 to be a guardian, to bring you to places, to, you know, look out for you and provide in, in ways that you can't, if you're not an adult, you're not earning income and so on. Like, that, that role your parents play obviously is important here. Hey, Mark here again. Sorry to jump into this great panel, but you're about to hear a question from the audience. And the question asker wanted to know, what was the school strike's position on the capitalism versus socialism debate? I think you'll find the school strikers' answer very interesting, and I want to say it does kind of mirror our own perspective here at Climactic. We all have individual political opinions, but at the end of the day, the climate crisis is our first priority. Are you going to create a poster that's going to ask us to get rid of capitalism and we'll put it up to promote the rally on March the 15th? Good question. Are, we going to get, are you going to advocate getting rid of capitalism? Uh, well, we're advocating getting rid of climate deniers, firstly. Um, I think, you know, we will see a gradual shift. I think when we get to, you know, those fine points, what we're doing, we kind of shift away from a major goal. And I guess I understand that they're interlinked. You know, obviously capitalism is linked to, you know, uh, massive fossil fuel companies getting all this money and then donating that to the political system and then the political system's corrupt and then we don't get what the public wants. So I guess there's that link, but we are currently only focused on, you know, our three main goals. Stop Adani's coal mine, 100% renewable energy and no new coal or gas projects. But I guess that's something we could look after we've saved the planet. I think that we're trying really hard to just focus on this one point because we don't, yeah, we don't want to like turn people off by trying to bring other things in. It's really, it's just about, yeah, those three demands and we're trying not to bring well politics in as little as possible. It's just sort of, yeah, for everyone. We just, yeah. I don't think, yeah. Can I, am I right in assuming that if, if that, our gentleman friend in the audience wants that sign to be at the rally, then he should come along, write the sign, and hold it up himself, and that would be very welcome. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, obviously the school strike movement is made up of so many different students that have so many different views, and obviously there are a few demands that overlie the general movement, but every school strike student is going to have different views on the topics. And I personally am totally with you that if this capitalist society is totally allowing for such exploitive practices to destroy the one and only planet we have, then we should get rid of it. As Greta says, we should change the system. But we do all have different opinions, and I guess we just have to work together and, yeah, bring an anti-capitalist sign. I'm sure there'll be plenty of others. Um. <laughs> Thanks, Marco. 
I want to say once again, on behalf of all of the adults in this room, thank you so much for your leadership, for doing what we for so many years have been unable to do, for stepping up and with empathy and passion and really uh, wise, brave heads going forward and taking action. Um, I am here with you all the way and I want to ask anyone else who's with this group all the way to stand on up and give them a big round of applause. This podcast was brought to you by the Sustainable Living Foundation. Thank you so much to SLF, to Jean, to Harriet, Jagvir, Marco, and Matt Wicking for letting us use that audio. It was such a pleasure to get to bring that to you, and we look forward to bringing you more panels from the SLF in the near future. So I think that will wrap up our kind of special ahead of tomorrow's school strike. Really, this was just intended to let you know what the community vibe around the strike is, to let you know how excited we are for it and why we cannot wait to be there on the day. We'll have myself in Melbourne, Georgia, and Sydney, and I highly recommend all of you to get out there if you can, show solidarity with these young people striking for their future. Thank you so much for joining us for this special edition of Climactic, and we'll be back next week with a full-length interview with Richard DiNatale. You've been listening to Climactic, a podcast from the Climactic Collective, a group of storytellers dedicated to sharing inspiring, powerful stories in the climate change community. If you've got a story you'd like to tell and you'd like us to help you share it, just get in touch at hello at climactic.fm or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where we're at Climactic Show. If you enjoyed this program, please tell a friend. Independent shows like ours need the help of our listeners to grow. And if you had the time to leave us a rating or review at Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice, we'd greatly appreciate it. The Climactic Collective is Mark Spencer, Rich Bowden, Maxine Baisley, Georgia Scheel, and Bronwyn Gresham. Our producer is Hazel Fidicaro. Thanks for listening, have a great day, and we'll be back with another story next week. The Climactic Collective. Collective.